Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark, and you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And today we're going to be talking about minute number eight of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is going to start with Batman. Uh, well, this whole the whole minute really is Batman trekking through the Jupovic, uh Let's let's correct this. Batman is trekking through all of Iceland mm. to get to the filming location that is known as Jupovic Iceland mm. that we talked about in the last minute. The whole continent. And, yeah. But to be a little bit more specific, today's minutes are going to start with co-producers Gregor Wilson and Marianne Jenkins' uh, title cards. And then it, the minutes are going to end with title credits for Charles Roven, produced by Charles Roven. Um, very familiar name. He's been with all of the DCEU movies. At least, yeah, pretty much all of them. Not Shazam, not Birds of Prey or Aquaman, but for most of most of most of all of them and then the dark knight trilogy as well and then he's even uh producing the new uncharted movie mm. which um should be pretty cool he he pr- produced the warcraft movie as as well which i've heard is pretty good if you're a world of warcraft fan you but never I haven't saw seen it? it i thought you saw it with us no i haven't seen it mm. i still haven't seen it but uh to me looking from the outside in i always feel like oh i bet that movie is amazing if I was a Warcraft fan, but yeah, probably. I don't know know anything about it. Yeah. Me neither. Um, I don't know. Lord of the Rings is there and it's a lot easier. I would love, I mean, that's an open invitation for anyone to teach me Warcraft lore because, um, I asked Matt about it, but he's always like hesitant, but really he talks a lot about like the game mechanics and I'm like, no, tell me the lore. What is going on? What what is, what is, what is the Alliance and what is the Horde? But, uh, speaking of, I think I guess the like movie I've, does that. I think the movie tells you exactly what the alliance and the horde is. Will that teach me everything? Um, I think it'll teach you the the biggest chunk of what you just need to know. But I think that storyline is like something that happened, you know, obviously like thousands of years uh, compared to like gameplay or something. I don't know. I'm talking out my ass now. World of Warcraft fans are probably <laughs> punching their phones or whatever. Yeah. They're like, I have to tell you about everything. Please do. You Tweet tell Mark. Us. I don't really care. Yeah, you could tell me. I'll listen. I we get I'll to talk, talk Lord of the Rings. Like, you you keep your World of Warcraft. I get I get my high fantasy on the Tolkien side of things. Well, speaking of high fantasy, I feel like this is a great time to bring up um, kind of the minute that we're talking about and a little bit of our cinematographer, who is uh, Fabian Wagner, and he's mostly known at the time he was mostly known for a couple Game of Thrones episodes, Battle mm. of the Bastards, and then Hard Home. Those. He worked closely with, uh, um, I need to think of the director's name. It's like Sapochnik or something, but I don't know what his first name is. But I remember he did Hard Home and Battle of the Bastards. Those were massive uh, episodes. That was like, to me, Game of Thrones like at its prime was like that Hard Home to Battle of the Bastards type uh, season finale. Are you saying Hard Home or Heart Home? Hard Home. Hard Home. Which which episode was Hard Home? Hard Home was the one where Jon Snow and the wildlings go to that wildling village. Okay. And then the the Whites, what are they called? White Walkers? The White Walkers, sorry. In the books, they're just called the Whites. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) 
Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, the White Walkers show up, and basically they start killing the whole village, and they have to get the village off the island. And uh, that's the episode where it ends, where Jon Snow finds out his sword is Valerian steel. And he, like, oh, kills and then that he, one. Okay, and he leaves himself stranded on the little piece of ice shelf or whatever? No, 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 no. no. That's late. That's a different. That's the end of season seven, I oh. think. Um, no, hard home is the hard home is the one where uh, season like, seven. The Night King like resurrects that entire village after he's killed them. Yeah, I remember. Like, I remember it, but I'm confusing yeah. that one where the one where they were running on the lake on the frozen lake. Yeah, with it, all, it's with. Uh, I mean, honestly, that's a cut Don, and paste. Don Durin or whatever that guy's name is, Flame Sword. Yeah, where he actually finally dies there. Oberyn? And where they... Oberyn? Is his name Oberyn? No. 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 Uh, Beric Dondarrion. Beric Dondarrion, that was what it yeah. was. Cool guy. Sorry, we're talking about Warcraft lore, and now we're going to be talking about Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. How I'm long did Game to... of Thrones run for? Eight seasons? Is that eight years? What a wash. Uh, we'll get to the point of the minute soon enough. <laughs> I promise you it's a, it's a long story. We're going to get there. But basically, mm-hmm. Fabian Wagner was famous for a lot of, of the more important more iconic game of thrones episodes yeah. big and i know battle of bastards is probably the biggest one uh i honestly if you were to ask me i would have said battle of bastards and red wedding yeah yeah um but there was also children of the seven was also a very important one that's the one where queen cersei like blows up the red keep mm-hmm. and with the dragon fire and all that stuff mm-hmm. anyways we're going to stop talking about that high fantasy to now talk about a different high fantasy, which is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It really is. I think Fabian Wagner, I was skeptical at first because obviously when you see that Zack Snyder's making a film, normally people are like, oh, Larry Fong. They think of Larry Fong's cinematography. And we've said it on the podcast before about how we wish Larry Fong was cinematographer for Man of Steel. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we wish. Um, Amir Makri did a great job for the movie that they were asked to make, um, and that's fine. But like Larry Fong working with Zack Snyder to do Dawn of Justice just sings, right? And so naturally, when they were making Justice League, when it was in uh, production or pre-production, I was like, oh, I hope Larry Fong continues to make the next one. But no, they went with Fabian Wagner. And so I remember looking at it as like okay well they're getting this game of thrones cinematographer to do you know the justice league movie i don't know if that's going to work and then when we saw the theatrical cut i was like oh that didn't you know work. <laughs> i was just so disappointed i was like is it is it this but this was before i knew the truth of like everything that went on with that movie yeah um and now seeing Zack snyder's justice league it's like they picked a perfect cinematographer because it is a high fantasy. Like when you think of like the uh, the Age of Heroes battle, I was just going to say that even in the 2017 Justice League, like you get that Age of Heroes battle with all of yeah. the apocalypse stuff taken out, but you still have the uh, I don't want to say human side, but yeah, you still have the you have the tribes of men, you have the Atlanteans and the Amazons all fighting together, and it is the big landscape. It is Battle of the Bastards right there. Yeah, and then also. You, you, he gets to help visualize Zack Snyder's want to 
do the King Arthurian stuff where Volko shows up and he's trying to give Aquaman the trident. Yeah. Like the Atlantean culture, the Amazonian culture. Like he gets to play in the fantasy realm of those things. And he picked a Game of Thrones guy to help visualize those high fantasy elements. It's like this is a high fantasy superhero movie. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Like it's not tied down to the comic book movie industry like it doesn't have to be comic booky in that sense or they like, didn't just like lean all the way into space yeah you know I, if you know what i mean like well yeah yeah at some point avengers turned into space team and i'm not mad about it and that's what they do in the books and stuff and that's when i'm 100 percent on board when marvel goes cosmic that's cool as shit mm-hmm. but so is the street level stuff that's even cooler. So, like, yeah. I, I, they really leaned into the that space yeah. fantasy uh, style. Whereas this, you can really pick apart. Like, this we one say goes that, uh, celestial. Yeah, celestial. There we go. Um, and like, we pick apart it here, and we we notice the Shakespearean uh, and the Arthurian parts of it, uh, the Grecian mm-hmm. mythology, like these fantastical story elements that we're just seeing sprinkled all over this movie, and just Zach's storytelling in general listen let the dude like excalibur you know let the dude like king arthur and his round table that's cool that stuff is so cool you tell me that a guy that's making movies is like yeah i really like king arthur stuff i'm like absolutely that's a great story let's tell that story let's get this guy knows storytelling Mm -hmm. you see it all over the place in this and uh i'm agreeing with you really with just um that this movie is high fantasy and i don't think i would have had i would have said that uh relating to justice league prior to this you know yeah and i i think i think the what's normally the criticism of oh it's just a melting pot of all these different things that he loves i think that that melting pot of everything is making the stories more iconic and evergreen in a sense because it's better than just taking one story and being like, okay, well, let's adapt that and modernize it so that it's mm-hmm. in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. It's like when he melts all these things together, like the origin of Superman with Doomsday and the death of Superman and the Justice League and you know Batman's Dark Knight Returns phase and stuff like that. I think when you melt all that together into one big narrative, it's like its own dc rebirth like it's like and it's doing it in a narrative thing and taking all those things and then people watch those movies and then they go oh that's this that's this and that's from that and then people have more comic books to, to check out if they want to read comic books because mm-hmm. everything is being referenced you have to check them all out um if you want to get into that stuff and i just think it's really cool that they're doing that and then mixing in the high fantasy stuff and getting that Excalibur, getting that Game of Thrones, getting that Lord of the Rings stuff in there. Like, it's just, it's cool that there's so many things that is feeding into this and making, like, this Justice League movie, it's making it a big deal by just how stacked it is with, like, its say, own just how big lore. It is. Like, it's, like, so filled with its own lore. And that makes it, like something you want to chew on it like makes it something you want to like think about and like get into um really just get into like 
the amazement of like someone taking the time to think all this stuff out is pretty cool. Um, but there's actually no, there's no dialogue throughout this entire minute. Mm. The only thing that we get to hear is Junkie XL's uh, sweet music, which is the arrangement A Hunter Gathers, which is really cool. We were listening to it earlier. This is the track that actually has that mother box ping in it, which is pretty neat. It's a really cool but, track title. Let's break that down, if you will. <laughs> a Hunter yeah. Gathers. Yeah, right? Calling it's from like, uh, Batman versus Superman, the Wayne family. What are they? They're hunters, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is back to, to us going to the uh, Seven Samurai idea of the lone samurai going to the other uh, members and, and recruiting them. So, I mean, he's gathering he's gathering them all up. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily you... know if I ever paid attention to the actual, quote, journey that Batman is going on through this movie. Because I think I was... At first glance, it gets just overshadowed by just having all of the members of the Justice League. When you really sit down and think about like what Batman and Diana did to bring everybody together, it's pretty cool. So like seeing this, uh, all the Aquaman stuff in Iceland is still very... It feels old news because it was some of the first uh, images that we saw during production of this movie. And we were just like already... I don't know. I feel like I've been here since 2017 and that's okay. Yeah. Honestly. What, and this... then even him meeting flash as well. It's like we saw that same thing in 2017. So I've been there already, but now when I'm looking at it minute by minute, I can actually take in the entire journey that Batman is doing. And essentially he's doing it by himself. He mentions to Alfred a couple times, like, have we heard from Diana? No, you know, we've been doing this for six weeks or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Like, we haven't, you know, really heard from anybody. That's kind of something. Like, him actually going across the world and trying to find these people. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. I I think this whole segment that we're watching this week with Bruce traveling through Iceland has been one of those scenes that we've been wanting to, at least for me, like, again, this is how I thought the movie was going to start. I didn't think the movie was going to start with the death of Superman, um, and I remember this being not the beginning of the other movie and just being like, oh, what we're finally going to see what all this was about, why he was on like a horse and all and like the beginning of that trailer, the first Justice League trailer and just seeing like what this whole thing is. And this moment right here where he's just trekking through Iceland, it can get overlooked because when you hear that Batman's like on this journey to find the other metahumans it's like okay skip to where they find the metahumans like let's get to it yeah but the journey is also like a mental thing like his this is his like we said yesterday it's like his repents his like uh, like to repent for Mm -hmm. the last movie and what a turnaround he does too because um something that struck me on i hate bringing up the, the other movie but in in that version there was some rewritten dialogue that made him seem almost annoyed with working with the team, like the Justice League members in that one. And, you know, whether he's like in the Batmobile or he's talking about what he wants to do as a team, it just always sounded like he was annoyed to be with them. And I was like, now that I've seen this movie and seen the different dialogue, it's like, 
why would he have been annoyed with the team he was trying to find in the first place? Like, I I understand a skeptical Batman in Justice League because we've seen that before many times. But he's usually not the one trying to start the team anyways. It's just mm-hmm. they want to include Batman in Justice League. And he's like, I don't know if I can trust any of these people. I don't know if I like working as a team. You know, that JLA, like Grant Morrison type Batman. And uh, for this one, Zack Snyder really wanted Batman to be the one who wants to bring them together. And so by the end of this movie, he does say, he says something along the lines like, um, stick to the plan, uh, stay together. That's why I brought you guys together in the first place. Like to be a team, to work as a team. Like this is when they've clicked. They've already gone through all the trials and tribulations of the Strikers Island uh, fight with Steppenwolf and then the fight with Superman. Um, so they've gotten everything through with that. And then they go fight Steppenwolf and Pajornov and they've got everything locked down. In the Josh Whedon version, it's like, he's still like, I don't know if I like being on this team at all. It's like, he's the one doing it. I don't know why they would write him differently. Um in that so i think it really undercuts the journey that he goes through in this movie where this scene is so important this minute that we're watching here is because this is where he learns that he can no longer try to be alone or like isolate himself like he has to connect he has to uh return to the living you know i think it would be remiss. We would be remiss. It would be remiss. Whatever. Um, if I did not mention, we talk a lot about Christ and messianic allegory in this. And I'm not entirely sure, and I may just be making this up, but this kind of feels like a Psalm 23-ish thing. This is the Psalm 23 is um, walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Uh, and I will fear no evil is what David, I think, is what it was. And that kind of um, there's Don't parts of that me. there's parts of that poem, uh, solemn prayer um, him. that <laughs> him <laughs> that um, that speak about um, what is it? It's it's the it's the character character. It's David. <laughs> He's a character. It's David talking about like him just trusting in his God um, and him saying things like he lays me in green hill green pastures uh something else um that kind of relates uh water still water still still water something like that and that's kind of like the opposite of what's happening here it's all icy uh so like in my mind i'm thinking like well batman their god technically their quote god is gone so like that psalm should be the opposite of what david would be doing um so there's things like this where it's all like dead and and no greenery and you know the water's all frozen over so it's not you know a a, a flowing water or anything like that um and it's supposed to be on like a path of righteousness that he's on um so it's kind of fitting within that whole atoning for your sins you're walking this path alone you're you're going through hell right now batman um and you think it's righteous. Uh, you think you're being righteous. And you think you're doing it for Superman, for his name, 
for the name Superman, which is, you know, in their world, God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very, at least in my mind right now, I'm pulling very biblical things, but I think that's doing work, you know? I think I'm, I'm working doing that. So I don't think it's obviously that's what it was meant to portray, but um, that's kind of a little fun thing there. Yeah, for all it's you like Christians. He, yeah, I guess. <laughs> He's really taking the superman sacrifice yeah as it's really what it is he's i mean he's he superman is a martyr he always is he always has been and he's Mm -hmm. you're looking at it right now you're he's yeah on a mission from god i can't do the dan Aykroyd voice um it's a (laughs) we're on a mission from god (laughs) i'm not doing it the blues brothers voice nope um yeah it's it's a really good it's a really good segment and um i i really appreciate the comic booky yet cinematic like vision that the movie has cuz it's nice to see a batman movie where he's where he's traveling like this and like on this on this mission and like there's mythos to it to why he's doing it and all that stuff i think it's really nice i think what's really nice about it is because it's a justice league movie and this is a sequel and it's batman like we haven't we've never had that before we've had batman sequels but they stay in gotham yeah he doesn't leave if he goes he's been to hong kong to do batman things but this is this is Batman in a sequel not having to abide by the environment of Batman. I get what like, you're saying. If you kind of think about it like Empire Strikes Back where it opens up as Luke and Han like in on Hoth and they are in roles very much different than what we saw them in the f- previous movie. Mm-hmm. They're like teamwork. They're a part of a bigger group kind of thing. They're militaristic. Um, so I get what you're saying. Yeah, this is a different Batman. This is a yeah, he yeah. Oh yeah. I guess to clarify, it's more. It's what I'm more excited about is uh, not that it's a different Batman, but that Batman can be in a different yeah. environment. Like you can do different things with this Batman. Okay. That you can't. That you're normally structured to do within a Batman story. Like this allows this Batman to take this path and go through these uh, these events with Wonder Woman and Superman. And then, you know, if we snap back to Batman's world, then it is J.K. Simmons, Gordon, and, you know, like that whole area. So it's just cool to break him out of that structure. 100%. Get like a refreshing take on the character. Even though, you know, if you read other DC comics where Batman is featured that you will find that same type of energy. But it's nice to finally see that in a film and mm-hmm. not be like, this is a Batman movie. Like, no, yeah. this is a Justice League movie with Batman in it. Isn't yeah. that like, that's that's way cooler yeah. that you can pop him out. Um, so yeah, I think that about does it for today. So we'll go ahead and wrap up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. You can join us and other guests and listeners who listen to the show to talk about today's minute or any minutes that you're catching up on. 
We'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number nine of Zack Snyder's Justice League.